the Orange is Orange or Browns podcast, part of the Press Play Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chase Smith, and with me, as always, Browns insider, Jeremy Powell. Jeremy, we are like three weeks away from Browns football, man. I cannot even believe it. It was really awesome. Even if no starters played, it was so cool seeing the Browns just on my TV. The whole thing. We're back. I'm excited. I can't wait. to This joint practices this week with the Giants are going to be awesome. Can't wait for the game mm-hmm. Sunday. I'm going to go out there. It's going to be awesome. I'm pumped. Yeah, well, three weeks from meaningful Browns football. I know this is meaningful, but still means something, Chase. It, it, it does. It does. And also <laughs> with us, she is your new co-host of this very podcast. We're the newest host in the Press Play Podcast. Now we can catch her writings at Awful Announcing. Hear her on Set the Edge Podcast. Holly Wetzel. Holly, how important is preseason football? I mean, is, is this something that is super duper important? You know, <clears throat> with these joint practices coming up, I'm I'm on the fence, you know, I'm like, do we just do more joint practices? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, is this mm-hmm. going to make a big difference? But I will tell you, I, I, I like, I like the preseason. I think it plays an important role, maybe not so much for the starters, but for the other guys who are vying to get a spot on the roster. But I do feel like the joint practices are, are I'm good with those kind of gaining a little bit of traction. Yeah. And I will say I'm, Looking forward to the Giants coming. I mean, we got some familiar faces coming back. You know, I'm a little nervous. Do you guys think that there's going to be any type of, um, I don't know, overly emotional type of decisions? Maybe some trash talk going on. I am worried about it a little bit because the Giants were fighting with themselves two days in. And Coach Stefanski can't <laughs> control how the Giants players react, right, and act. So I'm a, I guess I'm a little apprehensive about that. But I think you're right. I think this is going to be the wave of the future with less preseason games, the way they're spread out. I think you're going to see more joint practices. And I do think they're very, very useful, especially for like the one-on-one type stuff with receivers and uh, DBs, the one-on-ones with offensive and defensive lines. It's a new guy. Like say you're a left tackle, you're seeing different moves than you'd see every day in practice. So it prepares you better for the season. You know, a guy might, one guy might, be a bull rush guy and you might see a speed guy every day in practice. So it helps you with that. And plus you're seeing the top end talent from another team and working against it. So I think joint practices are, as you said, very important. And I think you're absolutely right. They're going to be a wave going forward. You're going to see a lot more with less preseason games. Well, I think joint practices too, there's more control, right? They can, they can control what they do better. Um, I think it probably makes it a little safer for all the players. Um, it's not as public. So there's just not that expectation, but, um, I think the the pre I think joint practices are better for coaches and players. I think preseason games, uh, I mean, I think they're helpful for stadium staff for audiovisual. I mean, they're getting sure. all their reps in too. You know what we don't want is week one to roll around and like the like the presentation of the product is poor because oh a video board didn't work or some mic was not working right or it's like yep. something just didn't work well. I mean. So you have to have something for these NFL stadiums and these broadcast crews to like, oh yeah, this is what that looks like. We got to make sure this is right. Yep. I don't know if four, you know th- three is even the right, but I think there has to be some type of hey, like we we have this to practice for this million audience game that yep. we put out every week. I well, agree, Chase. I think there always will be. 
Sorry, Holly. I think there no. always w- will be uh, preseason games, but I think you're right. I think you 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 went quick across something there that's com- incredibly important, and that's situational football. You mm-hmm. might go through an entire preseason and never see like a third and seventeen with your first team. When you're doing these joint practice, you control the situations, so you could the coaches can put whatever situation they want, and you're playing it competitively against another team. So you might never get in a fourth and one at the goal line in the preseason just because of by chance, but you can set that up in a team practice and have a competitive fourth and one against a different defense so I think that's another thing the coach is like I think that's kind of what you're alluding to there and and they do that in high school and college already where you had these situational uh situational uh, uh portions of practice that you could set up and control yeah wasn't it JC Treader that talked about um he was trying to push through just the vets not playing at all in in preseason this past year wasn't that's what he was trying to push I think I think you're right I think they're making it all like third year, you know, all newer guys who haven't had so much service time are the only ones that play in preseason, which isn't a horrible idea either. Well, yeah, I go, I go back and forth about that too, because I feel like, okay, put look at OBJ, for instance, right? Like he was hurt last year. He's a vet. Um, the preseason, I think is pretty, uh, training camp is pretty obvi- obviously extremely important for him, but him getting some reps in the game, I think coming up would also be um, a huge, uh, a huge thing for him. And um you know, I, I worry a little bit about him just going right out there week one with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it, it it plays a pretty important role for those vets that are trying to rehab and get back. So you guys bring up a really good point. Uh, and this is something that the Cleveland fan base has mastered over the last 20 some years. And you're starting to see some of this seep over into you know, the Bears fans, especially now. How do we not overreact in the preseason you see these high you know expectations with draft picks and and they are just completely um, really playing well in the preseason what is an appropriate level of excitement for preseason i mean for for browns fans for example jok just really flashed all over the field against the jaguars uh you know i know jeremy has reservations we'll touch on that in a minute but (laughs) but i want to talk about how do we manage preseason expectations because we do get so excited to see all these players play well and, and, and Justin Fields. Oh my gosh. And Trey Lance, 80, 80, like how do you manage those expectations, Holly? Or, or do you, do you just let him go? You're a fan is fanatic. You let him go, baby. That's how we do it. And I don't, you know, Stavansky had a, I I listened to, he had a good interview. Um, I listened to this morning here locally on sports radio and he was just talking about, you know, it's, they really are taking it a day by day. And I think that's what you have to do. I, I can't imagine. And I, I, I really like that philosophy because it was every game last year, it was once a week, you know, it was, we're going, we're trying to go, you know, one to know every week. It's just, it's keeping things short and um, keeping the goals um, at the top of, you know, at top of mind, the short-term goals, which is getting that win. So I think they're trying to get through every day, try not to get hurt. Cause that is such, I'll tell you, if there's one thing that's going to probably scare the shit out of them is injuries because mm-hmm. they're such it they're it's a freak situation all it usually and it's unpredictable and the best thing that you can do is prepare so it's probably a lot of emotions tied with you're excited you're getting these you're seeing these uh you know new faces new guys we have a whole new defense it's it's you're looking forward to it but you're trying to be realistic about it at the same time Jay, help us with these preseason expectations, man. We we don't think JOK is going to be uh, like the next great 
Hall of Fame linebacker, do we? Or is he? Is, is he? Is no. he going to transform well, this defense? He might. I have reservations when you watch it closely because he had trouble shutting blocks against like a second and thirteen line. But I mean, it's his first game; he can improve. I, I think he's a little undersized. He sort of reminds me of uh, Palomalu. Like he'd be a great safety. I don't know. I mean, and hopefully I'm wrong. I hope he's a transformational linebacker and he changes our defense and he's a Hall of Famer. I would love to be wrong. I'm just a little concerned. But managing, I don't think fans need to manage expectations because that's what fans are. Fans are fanatics, right? Fans want to get excited about something. That's why we love sports because we want to get excited. Now, the team obviously has to manage expectations, manage uh, what they think about a situation in the preseason because it's just the preseason. But fans, no, who cares? Let it go. That's what we're here for. We're here to get excited. If that gets you excited, uh, do it. Go. That's that's really interesting that fans are you know get excited get get hype but having the team manage their expectations from preseason it's almost more important for them to realize hey this is preseason and during the season we might not have schemed this way or had a certain exactly. play called here we just wanted to see who would respond um and so that is a very kind of interesting way to look at it like no like you can't believe that what is it the one year we went 4 and 0 under Hugh Jackson and then didn't win a game in the regular season yeah. Right. Um, and uh, and I remember a lot of Peyton Manning's Colts teams, they would just go winless in the preseason. And, you know, obviously they're perennial Super Bowl contenders. Um, it's, you know, so our week one, let's talk about our, our, our game against Jacksonville on Saturday. The Browns ended up winning 23 uh, 13. Pretty solid throughout the game. I, I never really felt like the game w- was in question. A lot of the Browns backups played very, very well. And you started seeing tweets. Our Browns backups are better than other, <laughs> which is guilty on Facebook. <laughs> right. Well, they, we didn't, they didn't play. They played most of their starters. Uh, well, they played, so. Yeah. They played them a quarter and a half. I right. said, that was my, that was my Facebook comment was what a world where the Browns second stringers look better than the uh, Jacksonville starters. I think that's actually the takeaway that our depth is better than Jacksonville starters right now. And how far has our roster come? To where we can say that over the last you know five years so obviously that, shout out to andrew barry and the boys for for building this roster that's that good and with that much depth that does seem to be an emerging story that the browns are deep i think the players know that too like the, the players yeah. if you listen to their interviews their conversations like they know this is a very talented mm-hmm. very very special team and then they have an opportunity to do something really really special uh, but the jaguars they're figuring out a lot first year coach a first year college who's been removed from college very successful college coach urban meyer uh, you know, they have the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. They have all these pieces that they're trying to figure out. And so it shouldn't be surprising that they're playing a, a quarter and a half. Um, Brown's uh, Tom Withers sourced us on, on his pod with us last week that not very many stars are going to play at all. That hadn't been released yet. Um, Holly, is there a player on offense? We kind of talked about JOK a little bit on defense who kind of shined and, and, and balled out. Is there a player on offense, Holly, that, that you saw? Like, yep, that, that checks out. That continues their strong training camp. Yeah, well, DPJ, right, is having yeah. a standout camp. Um, yeah. So definitely um, eyes on him. And Damian Davis, you know, he played really well, too. He had four catches. Um, you know, he's he's definitely talented and, and someone that we didn't think was going to kind of show up and shine. So I think that's what's also really fun about the preseason is that these guys that are getting these opportunities that you didn't think were going to make such a, a major move like this, they are. So guys like that, it's really exciting to see. He, he talked about 
um, that his grandmother was the one that called out and said that he was going to be an NFL player and he's got a tattoo of her and he's, um, you know, his family's been um, a huge support and, and he says, I'm doing this for her. And it's just all these really good, feel good stories around these guys. And, you know, with preseason in general, and I think what's different with the Browns, like, you know, Chase, you mentioned with Jacksonville, it's like, yeah, they have to play their starters. Like well, we had to play our starters for all these years. We had to, because that's, we had to see what we had um, with who was going to be obviously starting in the game it, in this situation. It's like, well, we already know who's starting. Right. So now yeah. it's like, who's going to be the supporting cast. So it's, and that's why I think it's also been a whole different approach to preseason this year for us, because it's like, well, wait a second, we don't have to, go through a lot of those pains that we've had to go through for the past 20 years. Yeah. Holly, I agree. I think DPJ continuing his stellar preseason. Jeremy, can I tell you a player that I'm really, really excited about for the season? Yeah, go. Demetric Felton. Oh boy. The rookie running back out of UCLA who was listed as a receiver week one and, and week two against the giants. They are listing him as a running back, man. If we can get this like Darren Sprolesy kind of, like change of pace, whether yeah. he returns like kicks it. or like, I just think kind of give someone, you know, can learn under Kareem hunt. That is just, I'm really excited to see what they, they do with him. Yeah. He's a nice little uh, Swiss army type knife type uh, weapon. Uh, let me tell you who I thought who stood out to me and this is not sexy, but Michael Dunn, the guard who filled in and played great until he got hurt in the playoffs last year. Case mm-hmm. Keenum said he's one of his favorite players on the team. I saw a stat. He played a lot in this game and he was in for 29 dropbacks and gave up zero pressures. Zero pressures, not just sacks, zero pressures. I think he's a guy who's going to add depth to an already great line. You know, they're going to have a decision to make on Wyatt Teller because someone's going to back up the Brinks truck to Wyatt Teller next year. Mm-hmm. So the, that Wyatt Teller might be the guy who we can't, you know, bring back. So to have a guy like Michael Dunn build depth on that line, which we're really doing, if you look, it's going to be hard. They're probably going to keep nine offensive linemen, which is, you know, the highest number you generally keep. And they're going to have decisions because they got some guys that can play. You still have Chris Hubbard. You got um, uh, Drew Forbes coming back. You know, you got uh, Houston, the rookie. So it's going to be a tough, uh, tough decision on who they keep. But I think Michael Dunn has solidified himself as, you know, a possible replacement for Wyatt Teller next year. Yep. I don't yep. even want to think about that, though. I really... No, me neither. <laughs> I mean, I love Wyatt Teller. I love him. <laughs> but and I do not want him to go. But, you know, the Browns, that's just, somebody. Look, and we knew this day was coming. Someday we are not going to. There's somebody that we love that we're not going to be able to resign. And that's just the reality of the situation. Um, and it could be White Teller because I think he's going to command. He'll probably be the highest paid guard in football next year. So could be the guy. I, I saw on Twitter and I can't remember who tweeted this and I apologize. Uh, but if in fact, word of that Wyatt Teller walk, we'd get like a third round compensation possibly yeah, for him there as well. Um, and the, don't, and don't think the Browns don't know that because these oh, guys know all the angles. They know exactly. Mm-hmm. So we traded what well, we trade from a fifth round pick. And if he walks, we'd end up with a third round pick mm-hmm. and two years of, you know, uh, all, all pro level play. So outlook for Teller, Bank account is looking great uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for the Browns. You know, uh, hopefully Michael, Michael Dunn continues to improve, stays healthy and good outside of JOK, which was, I just seeing a player like that on the field, Jay, I know, I know you're concerned about, no, I like, yeah, I agree. Size. I love an he explosive was player. He was electric, explosive. Man. He was yeah. uh, one of those players that I've always wished the Browns would have. I see on other teams where it was like a Patrick Willis, or, you know, and those, and, you know, you mentioned Palomalu, which, you know, I think if there's a hybrid Willis Palomalu kind of person, I don't know, but those are very big names that they're around, but yeah. it, 
you, you see these players on other teams and I'm man, I wish the Browns had a player like that. And, and it's hard not to think that come week one, we found someone who can really challenge this, this, this vertical and horizontal speed that the chiefs killed us with last year. And, you know, to, it just gets me really, really excited on a position that we, we needed some help and uh, add him with our defensive line and our defensive backfield. And I just think he's going to be free to do JOK things. And that gets me really, really excited. Holly, help me out. Am I getting too hype? Is this over? If this is preseason over hype here? Oh, you're excited. <laughs> okay, good. Cause I'm going fantastic weapons. And honestly, we're fast on both sides of the ball. We're faster on both sides of the ball. Hands down. Yes, we just, what I, we've I, seen, knew, so. I knew I liked you, Jeremy. There you go. See when Holly's <laughs> so sweet, you don't have to worry about it. We still got all, all, all the Browns hype in the world. Yes, Holly. Yes, we are. We, are we not faster on both ends? We just are look from what yeah. we've seen. It's, it's our, it's, it's just noticeably quicker and we even played pretty vanilla on Saturday. So, and we kept it pretty simple and we still could see the difference. Um, and it is, it's like this weird, we're like on this, like bubbling up. It's like, we're sitting here and it's quiet and we're just ready to, to ramp up and you can tell with those guys. So yeah, when they're sitting there doing their interviews and stuff and, uh, Chase, you mentioned, you know, you can tell that they're, they're excited and they want to get out there and they're hungry. I think that's a really main thing too. They're, they're keeping, they're staying humble and they're staying realistic and they're just containing it. And I think they're ready to go. I look, I, and maybe it is just the hype or whatever, but earlier in the summer before camp started and everything and in the spring, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, there's no way we're going to go out and beat the chiefs week one. Like I just don't, I, I, and I was okay with it. I'm like, look, it's, it's fine. Now, Oh, on the board, the hype train, baby. <laughs> I'm, I might be, I might be driving it by the end of the You're week. Right. So. Looking good, looking good. Um, okay, so I, at depth, Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about JOK because I think, aside from our depth, he was the name you heard about the most after week one. Um, Jeremy, you're not on Twitter, which you know, once every couple months, I get someone saying, "Hey, tell Jeremy to come back on Twitter." Um, hey, we miss yeah. J. We miss JIA. I don't think you miss it, Jay. But um, <laughs> I don't. I've never. I never. Aren't friends I've with never Jeremy on Facebook. <laughs> he, he posts his Browns takes on Facebook, and right. and uh, Jeremy had a he, he kind of zigged when everyone else was zagging with JOK. Um, yeah. And look, how I concerned agree are you about, about his size? I I am, and look, I agree with everything you just said, and I agree with you one million percent. I'm always like, man, I wish we had that explosive playmaking guy on the second level and he looks to be it mm-hmm. i'm just a wor- worried about when you got those big um smart offensive linemen that are scheming that they're gonna he's gonna get lost in the wash with those big linemen he's just so he's so um undersized it, it just seems to me i mean and now he's gonna have to adjust right teams are gonna start coming at him different way and he'll have to adjust and maybe he'll have the talent to do it and maybe i'll look like a complete idiot in a year and i will be super happy with that well, right now i'm just worried because he looks to me more like a hybrid so you know, a, te- a lot you've heard a lot of teams play like a three-three-five now, and they use hybrid players called birds and vipers. And he looks like a bird or a viper to me. He does not look like an inside linebacker in the league. Um, and may- and like I said, I will be so happy to be wrong because I love his explosiveness. He obviously has a nose for the ball. He comes right in, sacks a quarterback, makes a play in the backfield. He's all over the field. I love it. I'm just slightly worried. If you watched a couple plays where where he actually did get blocked, he got blocked. I mean, yeah. he got blocked. He I, couldn't get off the blocks. J- just, That's what worries me. Just for comp- comparison, Holly, real quick. And then um, JOK is listed at 6'1", 216. Troy Palomalu, 5'10", 207. <laughs> and Patrick Willis, 6'3", 
same height, six one, but two forty has around. That's that's you know, I mean, twenty six more pounds. Yeah, 20, 25, 26 more pounds. Holly, uh, yeah, it, I, 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 look, I. He can't get blocked. We can't catch him, right? So I just, I, oh. if he, he's that fast, then then that's going to be his weapon. And you know, I think Miles had a couple comments. Went up to him and you know was asking him a couple questions, like, "Are you going to beef up in the weight room and and, and stuff like that?" But, um, and he's like, "What? No, like I'm like can't can't catch me, right?" So it's it's definitely I, I would rather take the versatility on this team across the board in a lot of these positions. And it seems to be another common theme under Stefanski is getting these guys being able to step in where needed. I think if COVID the COVID year taught us anything is that you had to pivot a little bit mm-hmm. or a lot of it, uh, depending on the situation. Um, so I, I if, if he's going to be going back and forth a little bit with a couple different positions, I'm okay with that. And yeah, that's yeah. what also preseason is for too, to see kind of where he's going to fit. Of course, he's going to get hit. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how you learn. Right. So it's, and it's going to, it's going to be the hard way, but I, I, we got him. What a yeah. steal. And I'm super excited to see what else he's going to be able to do. Look, the let linebacker. I want to add one little thing. So the problem is when you play inside linebacker, um, there's going to be times when your job is to fill and what fill means he's going to have to take on the blocker and he's going to have to take on head on a 325 pound athletic guard, a Quentin Nelson type. And can he hold up because he's 200, what do you say? 207, Two, 216 pounds. Uh, 216, 216. Right. That's what I'm saying. There's going to be times where, yes, he's fast, but he still has to fill. He has to do certain things as an inside linebacker. And will he hold up taking on a, a block from a 325 pound guard? We'll see. I hope he does. And, I, and you know, that would be great. Yep. Uh, ju- just for comparison, uh, Darius Leonard, the all pro linebacker for the Colts, 6'2, 229. Um, so, so very, very similar in similar. build to, to him, not as, you know, little shy 10 pounds but if we are seeing this league you know move towards this offense receiver you know small yeah. shifty speedy um you know and, and you need less of the ray lewis bulky kind of like i don't know maybe this is the kind of linebacker that we're going to start seeing more and yeah, the and, hybrid type could um, be i don't know either way it's very very exciting to have this player on our team and to see him do his thing and uh, just grateful that he is on the Browns and just here's, here's, I, I trust Stefanski to put JOK in the best position. No doubt. I trust Barry to bring in the best players who understand their role and um, to maximize that with talent is just, it's, it's, it's hard not to get super overhyped and, and maybe I should just take the limiter off and just go full bore and <laughs> just not expect the Browns to lose a game, but I don't see how we're going to lose. <laughs> no, I think tensions will be interesting. Like I said, leading up, you know, we got we have the two joint practices then they play them. There's it's OBJ's old team, right? There's a couple different Freddie kitchens is back. There's a couple different emotional storylines. Guys do get heated. It's a natural thing when they're competing like that against each other. So I think by when Saturday rolls around, it'll be a, a pretty interesting, maybe a little bit more competitive than maybe we are expecting it to be. But, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing who's actually going to be out there. I don't know. OBJ is, a, is still a big question mark, whether or not they're going to put him out there. And, and, you know, I read that is it too much of an emotional pull for him to be out there? I, I don't really think he gives a shit, honestly. I, it's he's got to be way over that um, and, and be focusing solely on himself. And I, I know I that he cannot wait to get out there. Well, so, and two, yeah. I think us playing them last year and winning on Sunday night football, I think that, you know, removes the urgency with 
at least the payback or whatever they have, like that's already happened at, at, at their home stadium. And uh, I think didn't kitchens call the plays or like he had to do something more than he was supposed to that game because yes. uh, someone had COVID. So like, I, I think uh, there's like maybe not as much urgency. I think it's still going to be there just because they're competitive and they're athletes. And that that's what happens. You find things to motivate you. Um, but, but I think last week's game helped Jeremy, what are you looking forward to about the, um, giants weekend coming up? Kind of what I told you, especially, you know, from what we can get, I mean, we're not going to see it all obviously, but just the, the, the different stuff, like is Odell going to, uh, compete in like the one-on-ones and I heard he was. So seeing stuff like that, seeing the, you know, the giants DBs versus our receivers, somebody different every day Does Donovan Donovan people Jones can continue to dominate practices against another team's defense uh you know stuff like that is what's exciting to me is to hear reports you know because we're not going to watch but to hear reports of how these guys are doing against another look than what they're normally seeing yep yep yep. well it's very exciting and uh this is exciting this podcast is exciting having (laughs) holly with us jeremy back this is our getting back into the groove here we will come back with you next week talk about uh the joint practice uh, training camp week two, we should have ideas of more roster cuts coming up um, yep. by then. And then we'll look ahead to the team of 53 and, and week one. And I, I cannot wait to get started. Uh, Jeremy, you said you're going to the Giants game on Sunday. I believe so. Yeah. If everything, you know, everything goes as planned this weekend, me and Hunter roll up there and check it out. Nice. Nice. Holly, what are your plans for the game? I'll be watching my friend and I, we're, we're going to be setting up camp at a bar, just nice. her and I. Well done. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I was able to catch it last week's game, you know, at a friend's, um, but I'm going to be back at a bar watching a Browns game. There you go. There you <laughs> no go. Bad. There you go. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the oranges, orange or Browns podcast. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening. Shouts to the press play podcast network for making this possible. Visit pressplaypodcast.com for sponsorship info and see how you, yes, you could host a show on this magnificent network shouts uh, to Holly and Jeremy for making time. Thank you all so much. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Orange is Oranger, and we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good weekend. Go Browns, baby. Woo-hoo.